You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. Go to riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Chris Tyen. I'm going to show you a video that uh, lines up good with uh, what we're going to talk about today, about doing works, about putting your faith into practice, about uh, putting your talk into action, because it's the 4th of July weekend coming up. And we're not celebrating that we get to go outside and watch fireworks. We're not celebrating that, you know, it's just a great time to get a day off work. Uh, We're celebrating the freedom that we have and remembering the huge price that was paid for our freedom. Uh, I'm going to show you a video clip from The Patriot. It starts with three guys hanging from a tree, and I was like, I don't know, but I had Dan watch it yesterday after our prayer time. You guys should come to our prayer time. It's like usually only a half an hour long or so on uh, Saturday mornings from 8 to 8.30 or 8.45. But anyway, so he said it should be okay. I think it's really uh, helpful to think about, you know, uh, what was paid for our freedom um, and that we need to put our faith into action. And that's what the message is about, um, showing our faith by our deeds. So I'm going to grab the lights and then you can watch this. Reverend, with your permission, I'd like to make an announcement. Young man, this is a house of God. I understand that, Reverend. I apologize. The South Carolina militia is being called up. I'm here to enlist every man willing. Son, we are here to pray for the souls of those men hanging outside. Yes, pray for them. But honor them by taking up arms with us and bring more suffering to this town? If King George can hang those men, our friends, he can hang any one of us. Dan Scott, barely a week ago, I heard you rail for two hours about independence. And? Mr. Hardwick, how many times have I heard you speak of freedom at my father's table? Half the men in this church, including you, Father, and you, Reverend, are as ardent patriots as I. Will you now, when you are needed most, stop at only words? Is that the sort of men you are? I ask only that you act upon the beliefs of which you have so strongly spoken and in which you so strongly believe. Who's with us? All right, so what a great example of commitment of putting your beliefs in action. 
commitment to uh, protect those people that you care about when there's injustice, when there is wrong, when uh, you are called to do what's right. And James talks about how important it is to have works or deeds in addition to your faith. So Paul taught us that we didn't work our way into heaven, that uh, we didn't work our way into a right relationship with God, but it was our faith that saved us, saves us. And then James adds to that, that now that you're a Christian, now that you're a Christ follower, you will do works and deeds to prove your faith. If you have faith, but you have no works, no deeds, you have a defective faith. You may not have a faith at all. So let's look at what James has to say. James 2, uh, chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone. And there are so many actions that we as Christ followers are called to do. We are called to confess Christ. We are called to serve one another. We are called to help provide for each other. And it's interesting in this passage that James is saying that we're we're talking about doing good deeds and works for our brothers and sisters, for those in the church. So it's not just talking about all of the people in the world that have needs or all of the people in the community that have needs, but he's focusing on where are your deeds, where are your works when it comes to your brothers and sisters in Christ as they have needs. And we are able to provide needs as we hear about them when you provide for things. So we don't have a huge benevolent fund. We don't hand out tons of money because we don't have it. But when people have had needs in the past, and I've shared them with you, many times you've stepped up and donated things or helped or uh, made things happen as we've had opportunity. Uh, there are people that call the church often asking us for uh, you know, lots of money or mortgage payments or whatever. And sometimes we find out that they just go through the directory of all the churches they can find and ask them for the same thing. Um, we don't know who they are. It's hard for us to figure out what's genuine and what's not. And we can only... We can only do what we can afford. So if you give you know, $10,000 to the Benevolent Fund and someone comes along and needs that kind of stuff, obviously we would funnel that through. But our faith should show that we are a team player. So I don't know if you know a lot about rugby. I've only played rugby a few times. Pretty sure my wife wouldn't approve of it now. In football, they are always complaining about concussions. Rugby... They don't get many concussions, but I believe like 140 rugby players have had their spines broken and they're paralyzed. Sometimes when the ball goes out of bounds and they throw it back in, uh, they have a line-out lift jumper, and what they do is they help one of their teammates to jump up as high as he can to block the ball. So you're seeing a picture right here of a couple of guys helping the jumper get as high in the air as he can so that he might be able to to get the ball in their favor. And that's often the kind of teamwork that we can do as a church, often the kind of teamwork that we're called to do. So I started full-time Christian ministry. I quit my job and started serving in a church in June 1996. So I've had 23 years of experience in church teamwork and helping people in need. And sometimes I've felt like a social worker trying to help people in need. But it's so awesome when I see your faith by your actions. It's so awesome when I see... Uh, new people come to Christ and then they want to serve the Lord. Many times the Holy Spirit will impress upon your heart that there's a need that you need to respond to. Sometimes a need will come your way and you just know that you can't respond to it because you don't have the resources or you can't make the time or it's something that's just not possible for you to do. Uh, you pray about that and sometimes God needs to send someone else to provide that need. 
we can't do it all, but there should be a pattern of us doing deeds, good works to show our faith. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Or another translation says to spur one another on to come alongside each other and say, you know, what can we do to make a difference? How can we serve? Our setup team, I think one of the best parts of the setup team is they have a good time together. So yeah, they come early and set stuff up, but the interaction sometimes, they have, they have a good time together. So maybe you should join the setup team family. Being part of a church family is a place that we can encourage one another. When you go to a small group, a life group, often you share what's going on in your life, you pray for each other, you encourage each other, and then when you have a real need, you have a friend that you can call, that you can connect with to be active in doing deeds, active in doing works. So yesterday, I did not have a lot of time for this, but I was in Mankato like a week ago or so. I was driving past the church sign, and I'm like, what is that thing underneath the church sign? And I thought it was like a really big weed. So yesterday, before I put out the church signs, I thought, I'm going to take 10 minutes. I had my little loppers. I had my weed whacker, and uh, I took my truck out there, and I'm like, I am going to cut that bush down and uh, get rid of that thing. Take me 10 minutes. So I get out there, and it's not a bush. It is a tree. So it is a full-grown, deep-rooted tree. So I start, you know, cutting pieces of it off and everything, and then I wrap a tow rope around it, and I try to pull it out with my truck, and it's not coming out, but I've got pieces of this tree now, and you're not supposed to put tree pieces out there at the compost city site. It says on the sign you're not supposed to do that. Though everybody does, I don't really know what the deal with that is, but so I've got this stuff. So I call Dave, and I'm like, hey Dave, uh, can I drop some stuff off in your brush pile? There is this tree under the sign. And he's like, yeah, you need me to bring my chainsaw? And I'm like, I, I don't know, maybe. Turns out I did need him to bring his chainsaw. So sure enough, uh, he was doing something else, but he raced out there with his chainsaw and he came and cut that thing out. And um, uh, this is what it looks like now. Uh, no bush can be seen. And I thought, well, since I'm talking about good deeds tomorrow, I might as well just go around and take my weed whacker and clear around the fire hydrants and maybe even do the people across the street's mailbox. And my wife laughed and she's like, they're probably going to yell at you that it took them a long time to grow that stuff around their mailbox. But anyway, so got that all taken care of. And I said, uh, Dave, can I use you as a sermon illustration? Maybe show you a picture tomorrow? Because you're exactly what I'm talking about. You see a need and you can do something about it. So you do. You know, he had a family thing going on after that and he didn't have a whole lot of time but he came out he had the resources he came out and took care of it so I did not ask him for his chainsaw he just volunteered it and it was so awesome and so many times you have opportunities to do things it's like oh I guess I do have $20 right here and I could give this to you without without it you know being the end of the world so I'll help you you know I'm going to pray for you and then you come up with you know something in your mind and you call them up and you say hey you know you were saying that you needed this and I don't exactly have that but I have this and it might even work better would you like it and sometimes you sacrifice things for other people sometimes you do things for other people's kids sometimes you take time to watch people's kids or take other people's kids with you uh, as you take your kids places if you have kids or maybe you don't have any kids and you just watch kids to help people out but there's just so many ways that you can serve so many ways that you can work in our midweek adventure club program you can serve in that we're going to have an opening there we need help in there uh, youth groups things like that 
but you, you, you show up and sometimes you just, you're like, I don't really know what I have to offer, but I'm committed to, to try to serve. I don't really know what I have that uh, I, can, I can give, but I'm going to give something. You know what blows my mind is people that come to church all the time and they don't give anything back to God. It's like, how do you do that? How can you be a genuine Christian and not support the cause? It's like you want God to bless you with your finances, but you want to keep every penny for yourself. And God says that you should give back to him and that he'll honor you by providing for you and blessing you. But Colossians 3.24 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. So sometimes I've been asked to come help somebody in need, or sometimes as a church we've been asked to do something that uh, we decided to, to spend some money to make something happen, or uh, give this person that said they're needy and they needed to get back to Massachusetts a bus ticket, a one-way bus ticket. And um, So we look at some of that stuff and we're like, are we getting ripped off here? Are we being conned? Uh, but then we're like, okay, we're, we're going to go for it, and if we're being... They're trying to rip us off. God will see our heart. God will see our motivation. God will see our heart was pure and genuine, that we were trying to help someone in need, and we did it, and He can reward us for our earnest desire to help. So we will receive rewards for working for the Lord with all of our heart. You know, whatever we do, we should do our best. You know, sometimes it's discouraging in the church over the summer when the attendance is low or whatever, but... Uh, you know, Dan and I and the people that are part of the core group of the church are committed to do the best we can, whether there's 10 people here or 100 people here, because we're not just a club. We're not just doing this. We're serving the Lord. It's an act of worship when we show up and we do things for the glory of God, when we do things to try to further the kingdom. Sometimes I wake up in the morning, sometimes I start out on Mondays, and I think to myself, what can I do to advance the gospel football this week? What can I do to make some eternal thing happen this week? What can I do to advance the gospel football today? The good news of Jesus Christ to help somebody grow in their faith, to uh, help somebody find the right now media resources, to encourage somebody, uh, to help somebody cross over from unsaved to saved, from uh, death to life. Uh, what could I do? How could that uh, happen? I'm going to pray about that. And keep that in mind. What can I, that's what I, I always think. It, you know, in football, you don't always get to make the play and have a touchdown every time. Sometimes it's advancing the ball a couple yards down the field until you get the first down and you keep inching down the field until you score. Uh, what can you do to advance the gospel football? Back to James. James 2.15. Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So it's like, oh, you you don't have any food, you don't have anything, well, you know, good luck, <laughs> i got to go. So what could you do? And again, did you see that it says brother or sister? So it doesn't say some stranger at the lights with a big sign that says uh, homeless, give me cash or whatever. Maybe those people are earnest, maybe they're not. One news crew followed one of the guys and found that they were making quite a bit of money doing that. But the idea here is brother or sister, which means these are people that are a part of your church family. These are people that you know. These people have needs. And as we hear about needs, often we step up and do what we can to help people with those needs as we have time. Many times you will see a need and you'll be like, I can't. I can't take care of that for you. We can pray about it. Hopefully God will provide something, somebody. But I don't have the ability. I don't have the resources. I'm scheduled out. I can't make it happen. God will lay it upon your heart many times when you need to help somebody, when you can do something to help. 
So don't just hear the need and run along and say, oh, good luck. Um, instead, do what you can. Um, John Piper says, Christ did not die to make good works merely possible or to produce a half-hearted pursuit. He died to produce in us a passion for good deeds. Christian purity is not the mere avoidance of evil, but the pursuit of good. So when Christ died, he saved us, and he saved us to do good works. He saved us to make a difference in the world. He saved us to be his hands and feet. He saved us to be his Christ followers, influencing the world by the things that we say and the things that we do, James 2.17. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. So unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. So the general, general uh, teaching here is that if you, your faith in Christ doesn't lead to you doing good works, good deeds, then your faith is defective. You may not have faith at all. 1 Timothy 6.18 says, Be rich in good deeds and be generous and willing to share. James 2.19, you say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? And Matthew 5.16 says, good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So uh, demons know that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the one that saves us and makes it possible for us to do these good deeds. Um, so we can't just say, oh, you know, some people will do good deeds, but I have more faith. Instead, it's a package deal. They should be hand in hand. So I have faith, I have good deeds, I have works, and I serve the Lord. We are all called to serve the Lord. You know, what's really strange is there's a bunch of people that have prayed a prayer to receive Christ, but they've never truly received Christ. There's a bunch of people running around that think they're truly in Christ, but there's no fruit in their life. There's no love for other Christians, for your brothers and sisters in Christ. There's no good deeds, there's no uh, works, um, there is no fruit in their life to show that they're truly saved. Their uh, choices and desires aren't tuned into the things of God, they don't love the things of God, uh, they often don't come to church, they claim they're saved because they said a prayer, but the prayer doesn't save you unless you truly mean it. And Matthew seven twenty one gives this warning that says, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter so if they haven't truly repented of their sin and placed their faith in Jesus Christ, they may not truly be saved. John says, he who has the Son has life. He who doesn't have the Son of God does not have life in 1 John 5. So uh, there's people running around that claim that they're saved, but there's no fruit in their life. There's no evidence in their life. There's nothing about their life that would show that they're truly in Christ. They make no choices uh, to show that they are truly Christ followers. So James 2.21, uh, he gives two examples. So he gives the example of Abraham, and then he's going to give the example of Rahab. So Abraham, uh, this great patriarch, uh, the hero of the Israelites, the Hebrew faith, uh, you know, whatever Abraham did, he's awesome. So James gives the example. He says, don't you, verse 21, James 2:21, don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. So he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. But then when he was actually willing to go through with the thing that God called him to do, sacrificing Isaac, that son that he waited so long to, to have, when he was willing to give him up because God called him to do it, and he didn't because then God provided um, 
a ram for him to make the sacrifice and everything. Um, and late in Scripture it says that Abraham just believed that if it happened that God was going to bring him back to life. But Abraham had such great faith that when he did this work, uh, it, was, it made his faith his complete. So, um, James 2.23. And so it happened, just as the Scriptures say, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. And then James gives the example of Rahab. Now, in Jericho, she was a prostitute that hid some Israelite spies and lied to her people, and she was confident that the God that the spies were serving, that the God was the one that needed to be uh, served and worshipped. And so actually she's in the lineage of Jesus, which is interesting because James is Jesus' brother, so I guess that would also make Rahab one of James' relatives. But it says, Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers, those spies, and sent them away safely by a different road. So, and then James ends with, just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. So, um, the word for breath could be breath or it could be spirit. It could be um, one or the other. And it's interesting that the commentary that uh, follows uh, this Bible translation says, James uses a strong analogy, just as the body is dead without breath, pneuma, spirit, uh, so also faith is dead without good works. A body is nothing but a corpse without life-giving force to animate it. In Genesis 2-7, God breathed the breath of life into Adam so that he became a living person. In the same way, James is saying that good deeds breathe life into faith, and any faith that is not animated by works is no faith at all. The principle is clear. A faith body that is not supported by works, spirit, is lifeless. As breath enables the body to live, likewise works produce a living faith. So with that, we're out of time. Larry Osborne out in California says, words without good deeds lacks credibility. Good deeds without words lacks eternal impact. So next week, we're going to talk about controlling your tongue before it ruins your life. I know you're going to bring some people with you that you know need to hear that because uh, what a great opportunity to have them come to church and have the pastor fix them. So anyway, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just thank you so much that you give us opportunities to serve you, that you give us resources to serve you, that often when we give, you give back, that you provide. Um, Lord, I pray that we would be rich in works and good deeds towards others, that we would answer the call as you bring it into our life, that we would know which needs to meet and how to meet them, and that we would be busy doing things that have eternal significance, eternal uh, advancing the gospel football, uh, either a foot or uh, 90 yards at a time. So Lord, we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We invite you to visit River Rock Church 10 a.m. Sundays at 330 South Market Street in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. You can connect with us, find resources to help you grow in your faith, give online to support this ministry, and share your prayer requests with us at riverrockchurch.com. May God bless you. Share Jesus with others this week.